Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Olivia Mentor. And we are so excited about today's repeat guest. We have Dan Pelosi, aka Grossi Pelosi, talking all about how a cookbook gets made and his new cookbook, Let's Eat. Yes, I loved doing this interview so much. But before we get into that, let's do some highs and lows. Olivia, tell me your high. My high is a simple yet magical one. Okay. A moment that I had this week. So I was sitting outside. It's been such nice weather here. I was sitting outside working, silence, drinking my iced coffee, and this thing flew by. And I thought it was a bug because it was buzzing. It was a hummingbird. I have never seen a hummingbird in the wild in my life. It was just me and the hummingbird. I gasped. It was just there. It was there. It's weird. It's like, it feels like a fake thing until you see one. I know they're real, like (laughs) rationally. Do you see hummingbirds all the time? Have you ever seen one? Is this just me? I do not see hummingbirds all the time. I have seen a hummingbird, not like zipping by me. Like I've seen a hummingbird like near flowers. Yeah. I'm happy for you. What um, (laughs) did you look up? Is there like a certain significance to hummingbirds? Like, you know, like ladybugs are lucky or. Oh, I don't know. Should I Google this? What does it mean? So a hummingbird symbolizes various positive things. Joy good fortune, resilience, and recovery. Oh, I just Googled it and it says, it signals that challenging times are over and healing can begin. I will say it was in the exact spot that I spilled the coffee all over myself. Oh, good. You know what? I have been feeling this week like a new energy for life and just very excited and happy. So it's all making sense to me. The hummingbird brought it. It did. What is your high? Well, I guess I also am having a shift of mood and energy. I feel like I am flipping from nervous into excited about my book coming out. I got to announce my events earlier this week, and they sold out in eight hours, which I was floored by. It's amazing. If you missed them, we still have a virtual event, and I have some bozo as my conversation partner. That bozo's name is Olivia Mentor. Um, so we're for a second I was like, who? You were like, who? <laughs> who is it? <laughs> so on October 5th, we're doing a virtual conversation and we'll put the link in bio if, if you want to sign up to to come join us. It'll be weird. I think we should drink wine. Oh yeah, I think so too. I think you should also wear something weird. Okay. <laughs> I'm so excited for all of your events. I am on my yearly family vacation for the DC and New York ones. But I plan to maybe send along a good luck. Send a hummingbird? <laughs> Can you imagine? Someone just arrives at the In a event. gilded cage. They have a, oh, no. <laughs> they have a just... tiny box. Inside the box is a hummingbird. Wow. I was thinking more like a fun celebratory beverage that it all can enjoy, or at least you and your conversation partner, but, oh, okay. but also maybe a live bird. Hopefully a live bird. <laughs> I mean, now the the expectations are too high. So it's going to be like a pigeon. Oh, God. It's like only has one leg. Like the the animal rescue is like, this is the best we could give you. Just the national mascot. All we have for you. Yeah, the mascot of New York. (laughs) Randy the pigeon. Can't wait. Randy the one legged pigeon. Can't wait. Anyway, I'm excited for you. Yeah, I feel like I'm switching into excitement. I kind of feel like I have now reconciled that whatever happens next is out of my control. And so there's a little bit of a fuck it-ness to it where I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. let's see. Yeah. 
it's a freedom. Freedom. Yeah, it's like you That's did this thing. That's what one-legged pigeons done. signify. Freedom. <laughs> Is that what they I don't signify? Know. What does it... I'm going to hold, hold on. I just... What does it mean if you see a one-legged pigeon? It's going to like tell you to call animal control. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, God, it's a it's bad not. thing. It's fortune. No, it's. it says thermoregulation means that they stand on one leg. So it's like if you oh. Google, like, this pigeon only has one leg, but oh. really it's tucked. Uh, I got can it. a one-legged pigeon survive? Yeah, for years. So, I mean, Randy's out there thriving. Yeah. He might not even be at the Much rescue. Much like my writing career. I might only have one leg, but I will survive it's, it's for years, much like Randy, the one-legged pigeon. Oh, man. In my worst times, I will think of Randy. Anyway, this has gotten weird. What's your low? Okay, so I actually wrote this in the outline last week because I like got turned around. So my low was that I was struggling with clothes and like I just hated everything I owned, like nothing looked good. But I, I committed at some point after that that I would start getting dressed every day. And I have been this week. And let me tell you, I feel incredible. It makes such a difference. So I turned the low around to offer a new low. My nails are the worst they've ever been in my life. Oh my gosh, there's a word for this that my friend came up with. You're in nail jail. Yes, I guess I am. Mm -hmm. It's dire. It's dire. Did you pick off a gel manicure? So this is a mistake. I switched from dip to gel. Mm Mm-hmm. And my nails were like too thin. So when the mm-hmm. gel would like peel, all the nails are coming off. Now you're a nail gel um, girl. And then the cuticles start going. I'm disgusted with myself. But my outfit is adorable. Real cute. <laughs> so we have that going. <laughs> What's your low? So last Friday, out of nowhere, I woke up sick. And I'm still kind of getting over it. And I was convinced that I had COVID. Because I feel like I have so many friends who are saying that they know so many people who are getting COVID right now. And I didn't have any tests at home. And so I tried to DoorDash some from Dwayne Reed, which is like our Walgreens. And they're completely out of stock. I like tried to find them from like three other places, just out of stock everywhere. Finally, my downstairs neighbor had one that she left for me. I don't have COVID. I've taken like three tests now. I just have this like weird summer cold slash allergy situation. But I don't know if you can hear in my voice. I'm still like sniffly. I can't, but I'm sorry that you're still dealing with that. It's very annoying. I almost, I feel like this is going to like curse me. I like almost was hoping that it was COVID because then I wouldn't have to worry about getting it during my book launch week. Right. Because I heard from another author who just debuted that they had to cancel a bunch of their events because they got COVID in the middle of their events. I know. So anyway. Oh man. Fingers crossed. Just like bunker down until then. Yeah. I'm on the mend. Good. Well, let's take a quick ad break and then get into this interview. We have a new advertiser today that I'm so excited to tell you about and take you on our journey. So today's episode is sponsored by Stitch Fix, and I've heard of this brand before but had never tried it. And you know, pre-pandemic, I really enjoyed shopping for myself in person, and I don't know if it's me or if it's the world, but something in me has flipped that that just does not sound appealing to me. But at the same time, I kind of feel like I'm in a style rut right now, and I really want to try new things, but I just don't know where to start. So you heard my low this episode, so you know that I have been in the same boat at different times this year, and very recently too. With Stitch Fix, you have a personal stylist who learns about your tastes and collaborates with you on looks you love while still adhering to your budget. 
And I love how size inclusive they are with sizes ranging from extra small to 3X. I found it really fun to go through and set up my account with their style quiz. You tell them about your style, your sizes and fit preferences, and budget, and then they send you five items to try at home. I'm waiting on my first box, but I can't wait to see what I get. And I told them I was looking for some fun transitional fall pieces that pushed me out of my style comfort zone. So we will see. I'm excited to get mine too. Once you get your fix, you try everything on at home, keep what you like, and send back the rest. And shipping and returns are always free. They have thousands of brands and styles, so no matter what season of life you're in, they have you covered. And you're completely in control. You don't have to subscribe or anything. You can just order a refresh as needed. I can't wait to go on this personal style journey with Stitch Fix, and I hope you'll join us too. Try today at stitchfix.com BOP, and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That's stitchfix.com BOP, stitchfix.com BOP. We are so excited about today's guest. Dan Pelosi is the Italian meatball making meatballs behind Grossi Pelosi, the popular Instagram favorite for all things comfort and food. Dan's first cookbook, Let's Eat, hits bookshelves September 5th, 2023. He hosts The Secret Sauce for Food 52, which is a YouTube series, and appears regularly on Good Morning America. He splits his time between Brooklyn, New York, and upstate New York, but you can find him online at Grossi Pelosi. Hello. Welcome to the two-time guest club. (laughs) Wow, this is huge. Second timer. I mean, I think Katie Storino holds the record. Katie Storino does? Yeah, Katie Storino holds the record. She's been on twice as a guest, and then she had to come on for an emergency episode to discuss (laughs) Jessica Simpson's memoir. (laughs) Wow. Well, I just spent my past weekend with Katie in Maine at her house, and that all makes so much sense to me. So I'm so happy. Well, you've been here before, but maybe people missed your first rodeo, which was in, I think it was September of 2020. Yeah, it was it was early on, early on. And my dad's girlfriend's daughter was like, you're on my favorite podcast. I keep talking ah! about you. And that's how we sort of connected. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And now I have so many bad on paper girlies on my journey and they've been with me for a long time. So it's great. <laughs> well, we'll link that episode in the show notes so you can catch up on all the past things. But a lot has changed since you have last <laughs> been here. Just a few things. Can you give me like your quick origin story? My my origin story. Your villain yeah, origin um, story. Yeah. I mean, well, I was born. No, um, I think I just like, you know, like a lot of people, I come from a really strong Italian-American family. We focus entirely on food. I've always cooked for friends casually my whole life. I, in the beginning of the pandemic, did sort of like what I always do, which is cook meals and share them on the internet, except I was doing it usually on Saturday and Sunday. And I started doing it seven days a week because I was lucky enough to be working from home. And so I just did what I knew, which was stock my pantry, hang out in my apartment that I loved and cook food and shared it with people. And it sort of caught on like wildfire. I think a lot of people didn't know how to make a comfortable home, didn't know how to cook food for themselves. And me not being a professional chef, but sort of just like a home cook who was having fun somehow during a really terrible time, I was able to bring a source of comfort and information to people. And that just sort of like, sort of like took on a new life. And then a year later, I quit my full-time job as a creative director and started doing this full-time and writing recipes and building my brand and working with all my favorite brands to create cool content and doing a YouTube series. And then I got a cookbook deal 
spent two years writing the book. It comes out on September 5th, which is unreal to me. I'm sort of in this like surreal state. And so it's a little bit like, it's a little strange to say because there was a really horrible global pandemic that we're still sort of in. But I am one of the very lucky people who can say that it sort of changed their life in a good way. And... You know, I feel mixed emotions about that, but I do know that the content that I was putting out into the world during that time helped a lot of people get through the pandemic. And I feel like I was sort of strangely equipped to help people during a time when we had to stay at home. I've been staying at home my whole life, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so um, <laughs> I got a lot of practice and I was cooking and had a really, you know, comfortable house and just sort of knew how to do it. So I was able to share what I knew and help people get through the day-to-day of a really weird, strange time. So, and that sort of brings me here. It's just, it's such, it feels like such a privilege and it feels sort of like a little bit of a fever dream, but... How many followers did you have when you started posting? Like you said that it all exploded really quickly. I'm admittedly a newer follower. Very happy to be a new follower. I think I'm the last human being on earth truly that (laughs) that didn't follow you. And I'm very happy I do now because I love all of your content, especially the upstate stuff. But yeah, like what was that trajectory, I guess? I mean, it's not like the like viral Instagram video. I gained 200,000 followers in three minutes like that's (laughs) happening right now. It's very like, and I'm, and you know, all growth is good growth. So I'm happy for everyone. Mine was sort of like word of mouthy. I think with the beginning of the pandemic, like March, I don't know, 13th, I was at like 4,000 followers. And then by, I think, April 1st, I was at like 10,000. And then by like, May 1st or 15th, I was at 20,000. And then it just sort of like kept going. And now I'm like just shy of 150K, like 145. And all of those people, what I love about my following is that they're all really engaged and they all have sort of stuck with me and have been with me through a little bit of my journey or my whole journey. So it feels really, really, really special. And I spend a lot of times in my DMs chatting with people and it's allowed me to have like a really good journey with my book and my book tour, which I'm about to embark on is just going to be so much fun because I get to meet everyone, which is huge. So that's amazing. And like totally organic too. It's totally organic. Like nothing went, I mean, my vodka sauce kind of went viral in the way that things used to go viral where like people (laughs) would sort of just share it, but I never made a reel. Like it just kind of like happened. And that's how people were like sharing that recipe. But yeah, it just feels kind of like old school and, cute, which is kind of like how I want everything I do to feel, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Yeah. So we've gathered here today to talk about Let's Eat, your forthcoming cookbook. I think actually when this comes out, your cookbook will have just come out. Uh, He's holding it up. It's so cute. It's really a cute book. And also just sorry, but like, this is my favorite photo of me in the whole world. He's showing us the back and he's just like eating a meatball. I will I, I will be framing every page. It's going to be absolutely perfect. Um, so yes, it comes out September 5th. So you tell me if this will be eat. This is going to come out the 6th. And Oh, perfect. So back in January of 2022, we did a series about how a book gets made, talking mainly about fiction books. So today we wanted to talk a little bit about how a cookbook gets made, because I think the process is very unique and different. Yes. Yes. From what I've gathered and from actually from what you and I, Becca, have talked about, it is quite different. Yeah. So that is really exciting. I'm ready to talk about it. Well, I remember when you came on the last time you were talking about, I think like one of the questions we had for you was like, would you ever want to write a cookbook? And you were like, yeah, duh, I want to write a cookbook. But like, (laughs) nobody's asked me to do that yet. So when did you first start dreaming of the possibility of a cookbook? 
So I got a book agent November of 2020. So relatively quickly, Molly Boz, who's a good friend of mine, introduced me to um, her agent. And we sort of just like started talking and dreaming and scheming. She was like, it's a little early, but like we should just get prepared. And I think in like, you know, spring of 2021, we can work, have a proposal ready and try and sell a book. So the first thing that typically happens with cookbook authors is you write a proposal, which is sort of like about this book. It lists a table of contents, by which I mean like basically every recipe in the book, just by title. Maybe has some sample recipes. It might have like 10 sample recipes in it. It might include some photos. Some authors do test shoots to kind of give a look and feel. And it involves a lot of sort of like, here's who I am. Here's what my reach is. Here's my media poll. Here's my Insta, my like social media friends who could help me promote the book. Like anything that sort of, you know, gives you stake in the game in terms of our landscape right now, which is kind of a lot of social media stuff, you know? And that you put together with your book agent and then you sort of submit it to, you know, publishers and then you take meetings and you talk through them all. And then there's like a day where everyone makes offers and you sort of receive the offers, kind of go from there. That's how it typically works. That is not what I did. Oh. (laughs) No. How was yours different? Mine was different because I could not put pen to paper. May 2021, I like went upstate for a week. I was like, I'm gonna like, you know, write my proposal. I ended up like taking pictures of tomatoes all day and like (laughs) not and going to like Guido's and not doing anything. And then summer went by. And my agent called me one day in August of 2021 and was like, so I just got an offer for a book from you. And I was like, but I don't have a proposal. And she was like, I know. She was like, they just want your book. I mean, I want your book. If I was, if I were the powers that be, <laughs> I, mean, I would smart. have done the same thing. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was kind of interesting. And I was sort of like, huh. And it's also like, so it was great. And we ended up like, weighing the pros and the cons of it all and then sort of countering and going back and forth and figuring it out. I ended up going with this offer. And I know it sounds very chic because you're like, great, you didn't have to go through all the work of writing a proposal. But writing a proposal and meeting with multiple editors and selling that proposal is a really great way to align on what the book is going to be, get to know your editor, and really just sort of like sets a groundwork I did all of that after signing my book deal, which luckily, like, editor is amazing. One of the best book editors out there. And we had a relatively smooth process of, like, sort of aligning the table of contents. But it was still a lot of work. So it's like you either do it before or after. I think very few people sell a book without a proposal. I'm super, super lucky that I did. I think it's very, like, you know, like I said, sort of chic. But it also, like, you do kind of have to fill in the blanks later. So that is sort of how I sold my book. I feel like you're underselling this because I feel like it's harder to get a cookbook deal than maybe like a fiction book deal. You can't just be like, I like to cook. I have a lot of recipes. Like there's fewer cookbooks. I think there's fewer cookbooks, despite the fact there are a lot of cookbooks. And I know a lot of people get sort of told like, you need to have this many followers or you need to like have done this or you need to have written this many recipes on the Mm. internet. I think like for me, when I met my editor for the first time, we had lunch at Chow Gloria in Brooklyn because obviously, and you know, she was just sort of like, I think everyone knows what your book is going to (laughs) be like. (laughs) And I was like, 
oh yeah, duh. Like I'm the easiest read in the world. Like my brand is very clear. Like, you know what you're going to get. We know what kind of stories I tell. And I'm not saying this, like, I mean, it could be taken as like, you're boring and predictable, but I think I took it as a compliment. Cause like, I do have a pretty clear, like sort of lane that I'm in and I try and stick in it. And I, hopefully I think I do it well. So it was kind of nice to sort of hear her say that. Cause I was like, oh, like you can see the vision, you know? Yeah, so totally. It was cool. And then I could talk to you beyond that, but I don't want to like, you know, whatever your next question is, I'm ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it kind of fits in perfectly with that. I was just going to ask, like, as someone who had dreamed of creating a cookbook, like how did the process of writing the recipes and all the content that goes into a cookbook compare to that sort of idea you had in your head? Oh my gosh. I always dreamed of writing a cookbook. I thought I was going to be like printing it at Kinko's, you know, for like my mom and my aunts. And like, that would be it, you know, like it would be like photocopies. There's no comparison. Like I never dreamed that I would actually have like a book deal with a publisher that was like, you know, like a great deal and like a real thing. I do know that I think the writing of the recipes and the creation of the whole book, like for me, I knew that like, I'm not a career recipe writer. I'm not even really an anything recipe writer. I'd only been writing recipes that people actually look at on my website at that point for like two years, a year and a half. I'm not a fast recipe writer. I'm not a professional cook. So I knew that like the entire rest of my career, I'm like the creative director of my brand and I have a lot of great ideas, but I absolutely need to bring people in to help me bring my ideas to life. Like I've done my whole career and also like my therapist and I talk about all the time. Like I, I'm someone who likes to work with people. I'm not like in a kitchen by myself for like five months, just like developing recipes. Like I have a lot going on. I was building a lot of other parts of my brand at the time. And so for me, it looked like what I've done my whole life, cooking in the kitchen with my moms, my aunts, my grandparents, asking questions, cooking with my friends who worked at Bon Appetit, who worked at, you know, other food media places who just were really fun cooks. Like this was not a solo journey for me. So I immediately like teamed up and I figured out like someone who could help me, who had written cookbooks before, who could be like, not my editor, but someone else who could be like, here's how you write a cookbook. Like, here's what mm. I would do if I were writing your book. I would mm -hmm. like for the first four months of 2020. Two, I would write all your recipes and I would do it this way. And then I would like hand them to a recipe tester. They test them for like two months. You take a break, you write all the head notes and the rest of the body copy. You get your recipes back, you retest them, you finalize them. Like they were able to be like, okay, I'm going to project manage. But they also ended up, this is like the best person in my entire life, like ended up basically project managing my recipe testing as well. So I would like show up, ingredients were already bought. We would know exactly what recipes we were testing that day. They were like, you need to get the recipes to 80%. When they're at 80%, you can stop. You don't have to get them to 100%. Meaning like, this is almost there, but like, it's not perfect. If you're spinning on something, you just have to like move on. So there was a lot mm -hmm. of stuff that I learned from this person who had done this before versus me like who has not done this before by a lot farther than a lot of other people who write cookbooks or have written cookbooks. They were really able to help me bide my time. And they also were like, you can do three days a week. And then the rest of the week, you could do the rest of the stuff in your job because you have other stuff happening. You're not just writing this cookbook. So it like helped me 
immensely was so worth the money and allowed me to like turn my manuscript in like a week and a half in advance, like ahead of schedule, you know, like it just allowed me to be like, okay, here's what I do. And they were like bugging me being like, when are you going to do this? You know? And it just, it's nice to not have that be your editor. You know what I mean? Cause editors mm-hmm. can like, they're your editor. It's like kind of scary. You know what I mean? <laughs> she wasn't scary, but for me, it was kind of scary. This sounds so fun. Like being a cookbook consultant kind of. I ended up calling him my partner in cream, but um, oh my God. He's... <laughs> <laughs> but he's kind of like a doula, you know what I mean? Like, and it's, my, it's, it's so funny because when I met with my editor, I was like, how am I going to do this? Like, I need someone who can like, I basically said like what I just said to you, like someone who could just like help me figure out how to write a book. Cause like, I'm not like, good by myself. I will stare at the wall. And she was like, you should work with this guy, Casey. And I was like, cool, send me his info. And I had already been friends with Casey for years. We had sort oh of lost God. touch a little bit. But I was like, wait, Casey? And Casey is the opposite of me. He like writes cookbooks, not under his name, does all this stuff, doesn't talk about it. Whereas I'm like talking about stuff nonstop all about myself. So it's just like, he's so chill, was happy to just like help me and was just like truly changed my life. So it was just kismet that she was like, and I actually, the crazy thing is I looked in my DMs and I, and I looked back at my DMs with Casey and like four years ago, he DM'd me and was like, someday you're going to write a cookbook and I'm going to help you. <gasps> four years ago. The world works oh, in mysterious ways. Isn't that crazy? Yes. <laughs> so, so wow. yeah. And I think like, to me, it's just in the spirit of like how I learned how to cook and how we all hang out with our friends and cook. Like, I don't really want to be in the kitchen alone. I was for two years during the pandemic making a crazy mess, making like a sandwich because we were all kind of going a little wild. But like, I love sort of like that experience of like learning, growing, taste this. What do you think about this? Try this. Like, you know, people, my friends who've worked at Bone App, they had like stand up meetings at noon every day and 10 people would taste your recipe. Like I was making recipes by myself in my kitchen for a lot of the pandemic. So it's just like so nice to have other people helping. So it's yeah, cool. Yeah. Let's take an ad break. So as we discussed, we are currently in Virgo season, my season. And I don't know about you, but I'm thinking a lot about routines right now and how to make them work harder for me. And one routine you might be reevaluating is your hair care routine. I think now would be the perfect time to try Pros, my favorite brand of custom made-to-order hair care. I've been using this brand for over three years, and I cannot rave about it enough. It truly has made such an enormous positive difference in my hair. It's healthier, it's shinier, and I can go longer between washes without getting greasy. Here's how it works. You take their in-depth hair quiz, which asks you about everything from your hair goals and styling routine to your exercise routine and zip code so they can take into account environmental factors. They analyze over 85 factors to come up with a completely custom formula to address your needs. So what I get and what Becca gets and what you get will all be completely different and customized to our unique hair type and goals. And one of my favorite things about Pros is that it gets better over time with their review and refine feature. When you reorder, they ask you how they did and you can tweak the formula. I also think this is why my hair has never gotten used to the product after the three plus years I've been using it, where with other brands, I feel like it's great for six months and then it just stops working because my hair gets used to it. And you don't have to take our word for it. Trying pros is completely risk-free. If you're not positive pros is the best hair care you've had, they'll take the products back, no questions asked. Custom made-to-order hair care from pros has your name all over it. 
Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash BOP. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash BOP for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. You've been publishing recipes online since 2020. So were you like holding back some special recipes or like, how do you decide what's cookbook worthy? This is like the biggest thing that gives me Ajita. You know what Ajita is, yeah, yeah, yeah. is, right? Okay. Because, you know, like I put so much meaning behind every recipe. Like I'm like, this is like such an important recipe. Like my whole family history is here. Like when I wrote my proposal, my original draft, there was so many of my website recipes on my proposal or on my TOC. And my editor was like, this is like not going to sell. These are all free on your website already. Like we need some other. <laughs> so it is really hard. And I also knew that these recipes that I was coming up with ideas for two years before the book came out, I was going to have to sit on those recipes for two years. Right. And so it was a lot of pressure. And I think that's why we have editors. That's why we have other people in our lives. Other, I have friends who've written other books and they sort of were able to be like, it's not that serious. Like just make them recipes you love, have a good story behind it. It's going to be okay. But I was like, I still, am like freaking out. I'm like, can people fucking get these recipes already? Like, let's go. I want to hear people like, them, <laughs> you know, and I've actually, now that people are getting the book and tasting the recipes and sort of like they're loving them. It's like the biggest relief ever. Well, you're like a double agent. Cause you're like, here's my Instagram stories where I'm cooking, but then you're like, you can't know about this. Oh, I, and I also, <laughs> I very, very, very purposefully did not tell anyone I was writing a cookbook. Like no one knew because I wanted to announce it with a pre-order link because we all know how important pre-orders are. And so I literally like this past March was like, I wrote a book, you can order it now. And pre-orders were like so good. And I'm very blessed. What a mic drop to just be like, I already wrote it. <laughs> yeah. Like here it is. Super Here's the cover. Smart. 30 at the printer. Like see ya. I do have to sort of say something that I think is really interesting. I think a lot. It's very strange as a food content creator when there are people out there who are putting out three recipes a week right? Every week, or you sign up for their sub stack to get two recipes a month or whatever. These re recipes are flying at our face for free or for very little money all the time. It's so overwhelming. I can't do that because I'm not fast enough of a recipe writer, nor is that sort of what I've been doing since the beginning. I like to sort of just like get things out when I'm ready. But it's wild that on one day, September 5th, 2023, 101 recipes are dropping in this book. Like just on one day for $30. We're blessed. No, but it's crazy because like, well, thank you. But it's wild because there's so many internet recipes slapping you across the face all the time. And then there's like my little book with like 100. I don't know. It just is a weird comparison to me. That was sort of tripping me out. But everyone loves a book. So I'm excited that it's actually printed. But Well, and I mean, I think the difference is it's your book, you know, like people love your recipes and the person creating them. <laughs> you know, that's a pretty special thing. So I do think that like, that's why we cook recipes is because we love the people that cook them. We love the stories behind them. We love that. Like, I don't usually ever write, like, I don't, I would never cook just like a random recipe I found on the internet. Like, I want to know who wrote it we're all getting much more into each other's lives and what's hopefully a really beautiful way. So that's really exciting. So I think a lot of people love, like there's so many pictures of my family and there's so many stories in here. And I think I'm really excited about that being part of sort of like the book as well, besides just the recipes. I mean, buy this book alone for the dedication to Bimpy, like that alone. 
worth it. <laughs> yeah. Every person who I've watched open the book and look at that page has started to cry. Yes, of course. And that is my explicit goal. Yes. I want to destroy you. I want you yeah. to sob. So if you've so. missed it, Bimby is Dan's 100-year-old grandfather who is 101. like 101. Oh my God. I didn't know that. I've been seeing him, but I could have... 101 that's shocking to me yeah and this is him oh, on set. i actually just posted a reel of him on set literally to the hair and makeup person that i hired no makeup my i'm fine i don't need any like and he was kind of right like he I mean, looked pretty perfect. good he looked pretty good she cut like about six inches of hair out of his ears but um <laughs> <laughs> that's okay when you're 101 it doesn't matter <laughs> Like, whatever you need, Bippy, we got you. Yeah, and I think, like, you know, I think sort of the final part of the book creation process, of course, is the photography and the layout and all that stuff, which I don't know if you all want me to I, chat a little I do. About, but... I want to talk about yes. this because this is so unique. And I know this, I don't know if it works the same, but I know this from Grace's sister has done three interiors books where you, you like, sell your book and you get your advance. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, in fiction... I have nothing to do with the interior layout. Like, I, you know, <laughs> they show it to me and I'm like, that looks amazing. Yeah. But like, yeah. I'm not like picking the font or anything. But yeah. with... Oh, really? No. Okay, but with any kind yeah. of like coffee table book or a cookbook, yeah. you are in charge of the visuals. So you have to like hire a team. You have to like produce yes. photo shoots. You yes. have to like yes. do all of that. Can you tell us like how this process works? Yeah. So I think from what I've sort of heard from most people, you actually use part of your advance to hire the photographer, the food stylist, and the prop stylist. Those are sort of the three main people that you need to bring in to execute a photo shoot. Designers typically are through the publisher, but I do know a lot of people. Like I know Molly and Andy, Molly Boz and Andy Baragani. I'm, I'm using first name basis here, but they hired like outside design agencies to sort of set the look and feel of the book. And then like the, the publisher sort of comes in and finishes it. But yeah, you you end up paying for all those things as part of your your book advance and sort of coordinating that whole sort of thing. Your publisher's involvement can kind of vary. Mine was very involved. Other publishers will be like, okay, just send us the photos at the end of the day and we'll give you oh, feedback. Wow. But my publisher was like super involved, but I think there was kind of a lot of a lot writing on the book at, at certain points. So I think they just really wanted to like know that everything was going to be okay. Well, also, can you imagine you spend all this money and then your publisher is like, eh, we don't love it. Like, what the no, hell do you do then? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Exactly. Literally. So, yeah. So you come up with like a shot list. Basically, you send your manuscript to your team. You you hire your photographer, your food sales, your prop sales. Some of them kind of come in packages. Some of them you kind of you can hire separately. Like, I want to work with this food sales this photographer. And it was so exciting for me because I really had never worked with any of those things. I'd worked with photographers a couple times, but to have someone who can take my stuff and make it look so much better. And of course, because my background is, is in design and I went to art school, like 97% of what I cared about was the props. <laughs> um, oh, I remember when you went to that prop house and you were picking like oh. plates and bowls. I, I want to go there. I want to live there. Yes. The prop houses in New York City are so fun. Also, me on eBay, like a monster sending my prop stylist. <laughs> my poor prop stylist, like she really deserves a peace prize because I was driving her absolutely <laughs> insane. But I really wanted this book. You know, I built my brand in my house, in my apartment in Brooklyn. It's using all my stuff. I have a lot of things I love. I'm a collector. I have ceramics, textiles, 
all these things. I needed to know that this book was going to look like an extension of what I already built, but bigger and better and not like a totally different world. Right. And so I was super, super like zeroed in on that. And it was hard. It was probably the hardest part of the process for me because I went from shooting photos on a garbage can on a cutting board in my window in Brooklyn with my iPhone to having like seven people in a studio with props that I've never seen before trying to be like, this means something to me. Like it just was a big disconnect and it was really tough. I don't think that a lot of other authors for cookbooks might feel the same way as I did. I'm just like very sort of like, I like my things, you know? (laughs) And my editor was like, I don't want to see too much of the stuff we've already seen. We want new stuff. I'm just picturing you with like nine tote bags of your stuff showing up at this this photo studio. (laughs) I tried to get like so many. I was like, don't we need my like teddy bear bookend that I've had since I was like seven? Don't we need my glasses? (laughs) Like should Gus's hand be in this photo? Like anything. Like I was like, can the like lint from the corner of my apartment be in this? So it just feels like my house. Like... But I did shoot two whole chapters as dinner parties in my apartment. So one is on the front stoop where I spent most of my COVID meals. And then one is in my dining room table in my apartment in Brooklyn. The one that I moved out of in June. So this is really like a time capsule. Oh, I love that. I love that. Really special. And then I shot a lot of stuff in my kitchen and some other stuff. So I did bring it into my home for like a five-day shoot. And then I did nine days in a studio because you got to get the like, we were shooting like 10 recipes a day, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot. That's a lot. It's really exciting, but it's a lot. And then the cover is like a whole other thing because covers are like, which you can relate to, I think, because I think we're part of your sort of cover conversation, right? Yeah, but it's illustrated. It's not, it's not a photo. But still, it's like, what color should it be? Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Who should be on it? Like, should there be like, you know, should they be on the bench or should they be on mm-hmm. the side? Well, like, I'm sure you were like, you know. How tall is the Christmas tree? I'm I'm talking about your book, um, obviously. <laughs> You're like, what? So yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it, we shot the cover in January or February and we shot the rest of the book last fall. So we waited mm. until like we knew what the rest of the book felt like so we could intentionally shoot a cover that best encapsulated the rest of the book. It's wild. When it comes to like food styling, which I find very fascinating, though I know nothing about, is there any like single food styling secret or moment from the creation of this book and the the aesthetics and the photos that would surprise us. Oh my God, blow yes. my mind. Okay, so you guys haven't gotten the book, so I'm going to blow your mind, but everyone's going to know about this. So dead center in my book, dead center, and intentionally so, is a chapter called The Big Italian Sandwich. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Okay. Now, here's the sandwich, but... I just have to show you. Oh my God. It's a centerfold. Oh my God. God. Centerfold. And it's like so perverted and so sexy. That looks so good. I'm so hungry now. This photo, (laughs) I had such high expectations for. And I also mean like height. Like this sandwich is so tall. The entire back side of this sandwich is paper towels and toothpicks. <laughs> like literally it was just like bunched up paper. Cause you know, like obviously like we're going above and beyond, like my food is very realistic, but this sandwich was 
the Playboy centerfold, which is not, yeah. as far as I know, no one's ever done a centerfold in a cookbook before. Probably it's happened. I just haven't, don't know about it. So we just were like, let's go bigger, bolder. And my food stylist was just like stuffing the back so that the top would sit straight. And <laughs> she said it was the best food styling gig she'd ever had. Like she was so happy with it. So amazing. It's delightful. Thank you for sharing that. Back in the day, I did some TV commercials with Daily Harvest and like oh, cool. being on a set with like a food stylist, like there are so yeah. many like tricks, tricks. Oh and my gosh. things that the you wouldn't expect. Oh yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Like spraying things with Pam. So they look like the glistening, like oh. glistening. Yeah. Lots of toothpicks, lots of tweezers. Mm-hmm. Lots of things are like not actually cooked, but they're supposed to look cooked. Yeah. Like what do you do with like cheese? Like, cause I feel like you have a lot of pasta dishes with melted cheese so it doesn't yeah, look like so there's a, my stylist had a she had a heat mm. gun like literally it's like a hair it's like a blow dryer but oh it like is heat, and she melts the cheese for the, the cheese pulls like there's a mac and cheese in my book and you like load extra cheese on you do the cheese pull <gasps> trying to think oh this is so fun this makes me feel better because sometimes i go to like take a photo of my dinner that i've made that like tastes delicious and i'm like this does not look as I anticipated. I was like, where I need a heat gun. <laughs> I am very clear, like that I think that my mantra on food is like if you ate it, you like you did your job. Doesn't have to be pretty, doesn't have to like, you know, wow anyone but you. Like if you made something and you ate it and you were into it, you did a good job. So I think I, I had a very clear mandate for my book that I wanted it to not feel too over the top, unrealistic. I wanted it to feel messy. I wanted it to feel a little bit imperfect. So I think we balanced that. But again, the sandwich was like the moment where I was like, this is the peak of the book, right? Like this needs to go crazy. But yeah, but again, there's still some lettuce hanging out of the sandwich. Like it needs to feel easy. Food styling is a cool gig. It's nerve wracking. She was turning out a lot of stuff, right? And if you do something that's like, takes a long time and it doesn't turn out like... You have to go back to the two-day process. I don't really have recipes like that in my book, but it can be exhausting, so. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. Let's talk about the actual recipes. We have some quick-fire questions for you about the recipes. Rapid fire. I'm ready. If someone (laughs) is intimidated by cooking, what is the first recipe you think they should try in this cookbook? I would say something like the spaghetti aioli, which is like a pantry recipe. It's like basically oil and garlic and some breadcrumbs and some spaghetti. I would say the zabayon because the zabayon, which is like a custardy, like eggy cream that goes over berries. It is seemingly so difficult, but I actually made my friend this past weekend at Katie's house make it because he wasn't a great cook and he made it and he was like, this is the easiest thing I've ever made. And it tastes like restaurant quality oh so you get to impress yourself you get to impress yourself you get to be like oh my god i just did that and like my whole thing is like i make hard recipes hopefully done the easy way so this that my own it gets really creamy because i'm like add some whipped cream like it doesn't have to just be eggs like let's make it easy for you it's Mm -hmm. delicious so like that's a really good recipe I have a a marinated tomato toast that like couldn't be easier. You just basically, I want you to be able to have tomato toast year round. So you like slice up your tomatoes, you marinate them in like oil and garlic and salt and you let them sit. And then you just make a tomato toast. Super, super easy. I do think my vodka sauce is one of those recipes that it's like intimidating, but actually so easy. It is very easy. Really, really good. So she's in there. She's got a big two page spread. (laughs) My chocolate cake is like a one bowl chocolate cake. And it's so good. 
Yeah. I consider myself a cook, but not a baker. So maybe I will try your chocolate cake next time I have to bake. I think you should. Okay. I think you should. It's multiple people have said it's the best. It's now their go-to chocolate cake, which is all I want. I just want like, I want to be like Ina where you're like, Ina's chocolate cake is my go-to. You know what I mean? Like you just want when somebody thinks chocolate cake, like the next thought is Dan Pelosi. I mean, I want them to like be like uh, the the one from this book is my go to, yeah. and like it will be my go to for the next twenty years. Like that's how I was cooking. Like I knew I know my Ina recipes that I still use. You know, so okay. Next rapid fire question: <laughs> <laughs> What recipe in the book is the most special to you personally? You know, I think that like so many of them are tied to family members. I think my uncle Phil's deviled eggs are really like special to me. My uncle Phil lived with Bimpy. Um, he passed away in 2019. It was really sort of tragic. He was kind of my best friend my whole life and he never cooked, but he did make deviled eggs and <laughs> he brought them to every party and he put a little, he always put a little embellishment on top, whether it was like an olive or something really cute. So I sort of wrote a recipe that was kind of dedicated to the spirit of Uncle Phil showing up to every party with a plate of deviled eggs and just sort of like loving it, you know? I love that. I love that. All right, quick. You are having unexpected company tonight. What recipe are you turning to to impress them with ease? There's a chicken marsala recipe in the book. Oh, I love chicken marsala. so easy, like comes together in literal minutes and it's so delicious and I could eat it every night for dinner. So I would do that. And then I would maybe do like one of the quick, easy pastas. Um, There's Mm. like a cacio of pepe, but it has chickpeas, which is really easy. I love things that you can make ahead. So you could like have some, I mean, I have a whole chapter on marinara sauce. So like you should, from now on, you always have marinara sauce in your freezer because you're making it in August and freezing it year round per my book. And you could pull that out defrost it and make like chicken cutlets and you know chicken cutlet parmesan i have a stuffed chicken cutlet that's really easy to make there's some good stuff this was like the wrong choice recording this at 4 p.m by the way because i'm really so hungry it's just like the worst time but anyway okay (laughs) one more recipe quick fire question was there any recipe that you had to cut that you were sad to exclude from the book yes well, a couple of the recipes I cut were recipes from my website that I just feel like need to go in a book. Like my pignole cookies are so good, but we cut them, but they will end up in another book. Like, should I be lucky enough to write another book? Should you have a Christmas cookie cookbook? Asking I have for a myself. Christmas cookie cookbook? <laughs> I actually was wondering, I haven't finished your book, but do the characters in your book go to my holiday cookie party? Or no, but I was, t- I was talking uh, to Emma about it yesterday where she was like, what is your like goal with this book? And I was like, to be invited to Dan's Christmas cookie party. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's some new changes coming to that party oh, this wow. year. So get ready. Oh, wow. Because I don't, I moved out of my big place and now I'm in a smaller place and I have the place upstate. So it's like, where's the cookie party? Are there multiple cookie parties? Is it a ticketed event? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Is it going global? Are we doing one in like Dubai? I don't yes. know. Maybe. Yes. This is like a, another book tour, but like the the Christmas cookie party tour. Fresh off my book tour. I'm like, <laughs> let's go again. I'm so ready. I have so Why much not? energy. My book tour. Oh my gosh. Wish me luck. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. One of my personal telltale signs that my anxiety is on the rise is if I'm not able to fall asleep within a minute or two of like putting away my book every night. Feeling like your mind is racing with thoughts, questions, and worries is one of the worst experiences and so disruptive to everyday routines. 
The best way I found to deal with these type of racing thoughts is to talk through them. This is why I'm such a fan of therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy gave me the space and freedom to talk through every anxious thought I had, no matter how absurd or out there I considered them to be. This made me feel more at ease, more supported, and generally more able to take on the everyday ups and downs of life. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash paper today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash paper. That was the last rapid fire, but we do have a few miscellaneous questions that are sort of non-cookbook related. So one thing that I wanted to talk to you about quickly, I've seen how you have on your stories responded to people that often make like sort of diet culture comments about food and weight and eating. And as someone who has written a lot about diet culture and dealt with disordered eating and everything, like I personally love to see it. But I wanted to see if you would talk a little bit about that and about how having like a food focused platform has like challenged or informed how you talk and think about this stuff. Absolutely. I mean, there's a million things to say, but I think that like I come from a very like similar, I'm not the same, but like I've dealt with disordered eating. I came from a family of people who are from the generation of like, we're always on a diet, but we're stuffing our faces at the same time and like talking about both things. And I had a really horrible relationship with food my entire life until I started going to therapy about five or six years ago, which sort of changed everything. And I will say that it was a challenge to sort of have a surprise food brand pop up on me sort of at a very good place in my journey and my relationship with food. And I had to very quickly, if I was going to make the internet and the place that I was sharing food a safe space, tell people constantly that they are not to talk about my food as something that reflects my own weight, their own weight. They don't demonize food. There's no diet conversations. Like just don't talk about bodies and don't demonize food. If my food is not working for you, unfollow me. Like that is all you need to do. It's easy peasy. And I think Boundaries in general is something that I talk about constantly and express on my page because I have to, or else I would never be able to post another thing again. So I want to make it expressly clear if you should be following me or not. That's my goal. I want you to know if this is a place that you should be following or not following. And if you're not following, that's awesome too, because that means that I'm an unhealthy place for you, which is okay. We can exist separately. So I just really, really think that people need to do that because our mothers, my mother comments constantly on her weight and my weight, you know, and she sees and knows what I'm talking about and how I feel. It is so deeply ingrained in us culturally that it's nearly impossible to have a perfect record <laughs> with these things. I talk about it too. I'll, I'll catch myself saying things all the time. It is not me telling yeah. you that I'm perfect and you're not. It's me having the sort of like ability to say like, I recognize this about me. And I also just recognize about you. And people always tell me I'm calling people out and I'm actually calling them in. Like I'm calling you into the conversation so that you know 
that one, this is how your comment made me feel, despite how you think it made me feel. And also two, like if I never said this, you would go and do it a million more times. I might be able to call you in and make a change for you and also make myself feel like I could be here. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. So I love that. I sort of talk more about boundaries than like diet culture, but to me, they're very like... Oh, I mean, they're one and the same if you've been through therapy and <laughs> talked about it enough, I think. Well, along the same lines, I think of your Instagram page as like one of the purest, happiest places on the internet. And I'm wondering, has, you. has your relationship with either Instagram or social media or your fans changed as your platform has grown or as you've done this for longer? Or is it still like a really pure place for you too? It's still a really pure place. And I think this is sort of what I was talking about earlier, where like, I would love to have a million followers, but I don't know that I can have a million followers and have them be like as tightly connected to what I'm doing and what they're getting as I am at 150,000. And that is really important to me. I get so little negativity. And my negativity that I get is well-intentioned because it's not sent as negativity. Right. Mm -hmm. Even the people who send me vomit emojis when I make my meatballs with raisins in them think that's okay. They're not doing it because they're outwardly trying to be an asshole. So I have to say to them, hi, I run a food account and I share food with joy. And you are stomping on my joy and telling me that I shouldn't be having fun. So please don't do that. And they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, what can I do? Like they, (laughs) they get it. My friends always make fun of me for like, you know, calling out the comments. And I'm like, listen, if this is my only drama, I'm really, really lucky because I get to have like really great conversations with people and they want to know why that upset me. You know, I get like the little tiny, tiniest amount of just pure negativity or hatred. And it's mostly because my last name is Pelosi, honestly, Mm. which is a weird thing. (laughs) That's politicized. I didn't even think about that, by the way, (laughs) until now. But people are like, oh, my God, are you Nancy's? And I'm like, who's Nancy? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, totally. Okay, no. (laughs) But it's, it's just it's just wild. People just yeah, they just don't know that they're saying something. Like someone the other day was like, if I ate what you eat, I would weigh 10 million or 10 billion. Someone counted it out. If I ate what you ate, I would weigh 10 billion pounds. Could you imagine saying that to someone? No, I mean, first of all, factually, not possible. Not possible. Second but also, of all, like, like why would that... you say that to somebody? But like, what do you, how do you think that makes me feel? Especially because you don't know, unless you haven't been paid. Like I have a huge problem with disordered eating that I've been dealing with for years. So like, that comment can spiral me out for months. You have no idea what my relationship to food yeah. is. Like 10 billion? Yeah. Turns out it was Gus's cousin. I had no idea, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> Different conversation. Ooh, Thanksgiving's going to be well, awkward you this them year. In, you know? And I think it's admirable that you do that because I would be tempted just to be like, ignore completely. But, you know, it gives people an opportunity to reflect on the language they're using that honestly is so ingrained in how we talk about things. Like even just saying this is a bad food and this is a good food and and all of that is like, anyway, I can literally talk about that for a year, but okay. One more set of quick fire recommendations from you. One city recommendation for a restaurant and one upstate recommendation. What are you choosing? What are you bringing to us? Oh my gosh. A restaurant in the city. (laughs) In Brooklyn too. Um, That counts. It's a borough of New York city. Yeah. Yes, I included Brooklyn in that. <laughs> I, you guys, are you, you're Bernie's girls, right? Mm, I'm a big Bernie's no? girl. You're a big Bernie's girl. Yeah. We'll go next time. I went there okay, the night and I was like, I just only want to eat this food. It's so good. And have you been to Rolos yet? No, what's Rolos? 
I think we both need to go to Rolo's. Rolo's, I think, is like adjacent to Barney. It's not the same place, but Gus went the other night and he was like, it's like so good. Look it up. I think it's okay. in I think it's in Brooklyn or Queens, but look up Rolo's. So I would say like I just can't stop eating at Bernie's, which is annoying because it's hard agree to, get to agree. There, but yeah, you have to go early. I have no <laughs> new suggestions. Upstate, also not new, but like Little Deb's Oasis turns out just consistently for the past however long they've been open, the best food. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so yeah. good. It's also weird as hell in there. It's impressive. It's just like such a trip. <laughs> I <Yeah>. love it. <laughs> great merch. <laughs> yeah, great merch. It's such an angel. But also, have you been to Hilltown Hot Pies yet, Olivia? I haven't, but I've heard of them. I just follow everything on Instagram and like just hope that one day I'll be like, we're going there tonight. Also, the (laughs) yummy Thai food truck at the Chatham Berry Farm. That I really want to go to. And also they're at like a cidery all the time, right? They're at the plate of Hudson during the week. But then on Friday and Saturday night, they're at the Chatham Berry Farm and it is magical. Ooh, okay. Yes, that's top of my list. I'm way more jazzed about upstate food right now because like Brooklyn (laughs) food, I'm just like... I know all the spots. I mean, there's new stuff opening, but I need to get it in tune with it. But yeah. Final question for you. I appreciate both. Final question. Oh my gosh. No pressure. Name (laughs) one other recent-ish cookbook that you are pumped about and recommend. Oh my gosh. This is so hard. Okay. So my friend Jamesy, do you follow Jamesy World? He's the cutest thing in the whole world. Just wrote a whole book on Chili Crisp. It's called Chili Crisp. Oh, you shared this on Instagram like yesterday or the day before or something. Yes. yes. He came over and we we shot some content together. I have a chili crisp in my book, just one chili crisp that I'm obsessed with. It's sort of like an Italian take on chili crisp. It's the first recipe in the book. His book has, I think, like four or five different chili crisp recipes. Plus, like people always are like, I love chili crisp. Like, what do I do with it? Mm, This book answers that question and tells you so many great ways to use it so and it's also just beautiful and fun and he's beautiful and fun so his book comes out on uh it'll be out by the time this podcast is live so chili crisp by james park all right now thank you you have earned the right to tell the people remind us the name of your cookbook tell us where we can find it are there still events we can go to where do we find you on the internet how do we go to Dubai to eat Christmas cookies? <laughs> <laughs> we have that actually you have to go to the Sex and the City 2 movie. Don't they go to Dubai in that? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I think they do. They go somewhere. Okay, so I'm Dan Pelosi, also known as Grossy Pelosi on the internet. Find me on Instagram at Grossy Pelosi. My website is danpelosi.com. There are links to buying my cookbook, which is called Let's Eat. It's got 101 recipes to fill your heart and home. Hopefully you'll love it. It is available on uh, September 5th in store, wherever books are sold. And my book tour starts on September 5th in New York City and goes for a very long time. And it is also on my website, danpelosi.com slash tour. Hopefully you can come join me. And yeah, I mean, you all know how important it is to support authors and pre-order books. So I thank you all Cookbooks for talking included. about that constantly. Yes, your books both of you amazing authors. So I don't have to tell the girlies here what to do. If they are excited, support your local author. So fun. (laughs) Dan, you are the best. This is so fun. I'm so thrilled that we got to talk to you. 
Me too. What a dream. I can't believe I'm back on. The bad on paper girlies that have been following me are just like the best followers. So I hope I get more and I hope (laughs) we can continue to swim in the same waters. I love this. So fun. I love this. I'm also so excited for your cookbook to get it in person and to cook with it. I've been eating Pelosi family pasta salad all week. Also a recipe that made it into the book. So that's exciting. I'm so excited. Let's get into some end matter. Please. So what are you obsessed with this week? Well, I mean, it's very fitting given the content of this episode. I needed to share with you that last week I made a batch of the Pelosi family pasta salad, which is a recipe in Dan's book and is also on his website if you want to like try before you buy. Olivia, I don't know why I haven't been making pasta salad for lunch all summer long. It's the best. It is the best. So good. What does this one have in it? It's like almost kind of like an Italian sandwich. Well, I guess it's just salami. Mm. It's like salami, pepperoncini, (laughs) olives, tomatoes. There's like a really great oregano dressing. It was so, so good. I actually, I embellished. I added a can of chickpeas because I wanted a little more protein. Mm. Nice. But it was so good. And it was so easy. I made it on Monday and then I ate it all week. I love cold pasta. It's a weird fact about me. I, I love don't pasta like salad, cold but pasta, I also but... just love cold pasta in general. Like I could eat leftovers all day. Yeah. This is going to be a new go-to. Yum. What about you? What are you obsessed with? Okay. I'm really obsessed with my obsession. And this okay. is the Winky Lux Flower Balm. I got it at Target. It looks like lipstick, but it's a balm. It's clear, but then when you put it on, it like reacts to your body's temperature or something and it like kind of shifts in color. Is it a mood ring? Is it a mood ring? Tell me it's a mood ring. (laughs) No, but I guess it works with the pH of your skin or something. I don't know, but I have been looking for something like this that makes me feel like I am wearing just moisturizer, like a lip balm on my lips. It enhances the natural color of my lips. So like it doesn't look weird if I'm for example, only wearing that and nothing else or just a little makeup. This is perfect. I love it. It feels so good. So good. And it's like very satisfying to watch the color change. I want a thousand of these. Like, I love it. I love it so much. Can I request, will you do like a demo video on Instagram? I don't know if I can picture this. I did last night. Oh, how did I miss this? (laughs) I I don't know. Why aren't you keeping up with my every move? I usually am. I think it's still on. I did it last night. I'm obsessed with it. Sometimes I I do it, like I watch the video back and I'm like, does it look different? But I think it really does. I think it really does. Okay, I'm I, gonna, I wish I had it right now. I'd show you. I'm going to go watch right after we're done. <laughs> okay. Don't crush my dreams if you can't tell the difference, please. What about on the reading front? What have you been up to there? So I finished The Celebrants by Stephen Rowley, which I mentioned in the last episode on vacation. You've talked about this one before. I love it. This is it. about... Four or five. I think it's four friends. No, five. five. Five friends who make a pact where they agree to throw each other like a living funeral anytime they go through a rough patch in life. And it was so funny. Just like the dialogue was so interesting. You and I went to the event with Stephen Rowley uh, at Books Are Magic in Brooklyn. And so it was fun reading and having watched that interview. And, and I enjoyed it. It was good. And then I also read The Counselors by Jessica Goodman. I just finished this one this week. This is like a fun... Actually, it's your book. I stole from Oh, I was going to say, I was like, house. did I give that to you? What? Which I really enjoyed because you had highlighted random places. Oh, fun. And I was like, oh, I wonder what about this made her highlight it other than just it being a good sentence or whatever. 
But yeah, I really enjoyed this one. I don't read a lot of YA, but it was kind of fun just to like go into like the world of Sleepaway Camp, which is where this thriller is based. It's a sleepaway camp where someone turns up dead. Uh, that's the general premise. And I, I enjoyed this one a lot. It was really fun. I love Jessica Goodman's YA thrillers. Yeah, I want to read her other ones too. I was like unsure because I don't read a lot of YA. And I was like, man, I like just like being transported to a Gen Z world mm-hmm. every once in a while. Yeah. It was her it books was entertaining. Are also so gulpable. Like they're just so crushable. Like every chapter was like a page and a half. I, like, how do you do that? You're like, I don't I'm even the know. smartest As... person in the world. Look how fast I'm reading this. <laughs> oh, it, it's, it was good. It was good. Yeah. What did you read? I have a highbrow and a lowbrow thing. So I finished Tom Lake by Ann Patchett, which is our September book club pick. And I adored this. It's definitely one of my top books for the year. It is so, I mean, first of all, it's so masterfully written, but it is so entertaining, but also thought-provoking at the same time. Okay, so it's about a woman who's in her mid-50s, and she's telling her adult daughters the story of how in her 20s, she dated a now very famous actor. And the whole thing is centering COVID. It's not triggering to me in any way. The story is just that the girls are home from grad school and college because of everything shut down and they're on this farm in Michigan. So it's like very idyllic kind of. The story is so interesting and I can't wait to talk about this. I started this and I'm loving it so far. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a crowd pleaser too. Like I think this is going to be like the book club book of the fall if you are in like a physical book club. On the flip side of that, I also read books one through three of the Magnolia Parks universe by Jessa Hastings. One through three. Yeah, I know. In what time span? A week. Oh my God. Leave me alone. I was sick. I was sick. No, I, I'm saying that's like amazing. It speaks to the entertainment level of the book. Oh, yeah. So I've been hearing rumblings about these. And by rumblings, I mean like people were bringing them up on my monthly reading posts and like a bunch of people had DM'd me to ask if I'd read them. And like I just got curious. And I will confess to you that I downloaded the Kindle sample probably about a month ago and I read the first few pages and I was like, nah, man, I'm out. This is not for me. (laughs) And then when I was sick, I was like, I just want a brain candy book. And I went back and I tried it again and I fell so deep. I feel like this is the romance equivalent of Zodiac Academy. Do I stand by it? No, absolutely not. Are there like 12 books for you to go through? So far, there's only four, but there's two more on the way. Oh, and they're long. Like, do I stand by them? Not really. Did I like crush them? Absolutely. So it is about what is possibly the most toxic relationship that has ever been written between these Great. two people in their early 20s who are both from like billionaire families. And it's set in oh London. <laughs> okay. And they like, they truly have the world's most toxic relationship. There's nothing more likable than two people in their early yeah, 20s who are also like, billionaires. He's fucking his way through London and she's like fake dating guys to manipulate him. Like it is so toxic. And also every description of every piece of clothing that anyone wears is like a name brand, like multi-word right. pr- like product page description of it. Okay. I'm obsessed. 
I'm obsessed. So then it's okay. So it's like some of the books are Magnolia books and then some of them are Daisy books. And Daisy is like this other girl who's part of a crime family. I don't know. Like a mob? Yep. Situate. Okay. Yep. Naturally. I don't know. Couldn't get enough of them. Well, I'm glad you had that during your, your illness. Thank you. We're running long. We've already told you that Tom Lake by Ann Patchett is our book club pick for September. Please come talk to us about anything this episode in the Facebook group. Join us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. I am on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. I'm at Olivia Mentor and Randy is at Randy the One-Legged Pigeon. Are you starting that? <laughs> Maybe you I have to now. You have to. You Forget put it Terrence, out there. New mascot. <laughs> Randy the One-Legged Pigeon. That sounds apropos. Do you think him and Terrence are friends? Oh my God. I think so. In the Battle of Universe, they are. Yeah, a bromance for the <laughs> ages. We got to get out of here before things get even weirder. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.